Shock Monkey Radio is entertainment for adults, by adults, and the views and opinions expressed here do not reflect the sponsors or FXBG Public Radio. For additional information, please refer to the United States Bill of Rights. Stand warned. <clears throat> Hello and welcome to Shock Monkey Radio. We have very, very sad news today. And that sad news is Norm MacDonald has died today at 61 of cancer. I know it's just last week on my show. I was talking talking about him, and I feel like, I don't know, maybe I had a psychic connection with him. Maybe he was calling out to me with his mind powers like I have. Say, bad man, I need you. I need you. You know? And maybe he was just sitting there telling me, he was trying to tell me something. Maybe, like, quit smoking or something like that. Because <laughs> uh, Norm MacDonald died, died of cancer. And my suspicion is possibly lung cancer because he had a problem with smoking, just like I do. So it's, it's made me try to, you know, rethink my life. You know, I'm not big into the whole celebrity worship thing, but it, there's a few celebrities that I've, you know, grown up with over the years that I would really like to sit down and chat with. And Norm MacDonald was, was one of them. And it, I'm going to try to try to stay positive throughout the show, but, you know, I'm just, just long enough to get through this one hour into, through the show, and then I'm going to go really tie one on. But Norm wouldn't want us to be sitting around saying, hey, feel sad and stuff like that. Norm, what, like I said last week, was an entertainer, a jester. He, uh, he just wanted to, uh, to make us laugh. And so to honor the life of Norm MacDonald, we're gonna try, I'm going to try my best to try to entertain you tonight, uh, despite <laughs> this horrible thing. Hey, remember Boofs uh, or Bouffants or whatever in the, in the late 80s, early 90s, where girls would hairspray their hair like straight up and stuff like that? Do you remember that? Man, that was weird. I wonder if that style will ever make a comeback. I really don't know. I mean, it, it's, it was like a punchline in, uh, in uh, something about Mary. You know, she'd put that stuff in her hair and bouffant. You know, very out of place in the 2000s movie. Very out of place. And that was, that was a punchline. I wonder if that will ever come back into style. Anyway. Just wanted to change the subject to something happier. Welcome to Shock Monkey Radio. I'm your host, The Madman. I want to remind you again that we have a YouTube channel. Uh, search for Shock Monkey Radio on YouTube. And on, I'm on BitChute as well, if you don't like uh, YouTube. and uh, everyone, everyone has to make their choices, you know. But I'm on BitChute as well. Search Shock Monkey Radio. Um, I also have a cash app. You can use the cash tag Shock Monkey Radio if you want to send me money through the cash app. I would appreciate it. But I also have the Patreon, patreon.com slash shockmonkeyradio, patreon.com slash shockmonkeyradio, three bucks a month. Really not a whole lot. I would appreciate your support, you know, because uh, the world got a little less funny today. So, yeah. So we're doing a sort of a, a freeform thing today. There's one more thing I want to talk about when it comes to Norm MacDonald. And that's a, a quote a friend of mine that from the Navy pointed out. My friend Chaz. We'll call him Chaz. Um, and it's a quote from Norm MacDonald. says, I'm pretty sure. I'm not a doctor. Let me, should I do the Norm MacDonald voice? Uh, I'm pretty sure. I'm not a doctor, but uh, I'm pretty sure if you die, the cancer dies at the same time. That's not a loss. That's a draw. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> uh, you know, God, God rest his soul. Norm MacDonald, we're going to miss you. Anyway, so it may be quick because I'm not feeling great. I'm, try I'm trying to hit the switch, the sad switch off, so I can get through these funny things I want to say. 
And there's a couple funny things I'm not going to say later, perhaps, perhaps. But I was thinking about poetry. Do you guys like poetry? I like poetry. And I was thinking, it's like, uh, I wanted to bring it up on the show and talk to you about poetry a little bit. And I was thinking, about should I, should I read them my favorite poem? And uh, I thought about it. It's like, no, I should probably read them my second favorite poem because it's shorter. My first favorite poem is very long and depressing. It not, doesn't really make it for good podcasts. But my favorite poem is The Love Song of J. Alfred Prufrock by T.S. Eliot. And, you know, it's that, you know, the one, I grow old, I grow old, I, will, I shall wear my trousers rolled or something like that. Do I part my hair behind? Do I dare eat a peach? I shall wear white flannel trousers and walk along the beach. I've heard the mermaids singing each to each. I do not think they shall sing to me. That kind of stuff. Very, very much a bummer. There's a reason why I love it because, wow, I was like, that's prophetic. When I was like 18 and read it for the first time. So instead, I'm going to read you my second favorite poem. uh, Just to show you that, you know, I can run the gamut of all different types of poets and so forth. And so, um... My, my second favorite poem is by a fellow, he's, he's uh, of, of my generation. He's a, a sli- slightly older than me. The poet's name is James Moyer Franks, all right? And the, and the poem's called, You're Pretty When I'm Drunk. One night, me and the crew hit the road on a mission to slurp free brew and go fuzzy flounder fishing. KG's on the hi-fi and the keg was bottomless until we brought Skepopotamus. And daddy's going to get some, probably underage and dumb, and everybody knows that the daddy eats his young. Lupus in the lavatory, making a big stink, macing up the toilet seat, and pooping in the sink. MSG's tanked up, and whizzing it in a cup, waiting for a sprinkle genie to come and drink it up. Because I'm the one bottle willy with a 12-horse ale. After that, I got silly, like soupy sails. Now it's midnight, and I'm completely boofy blitzed. A six of Schlitz and the Jubrew Manischewitz. With my beer tinted glasses, I'm ready to biddy battle. I'm hungry like the wolf, but I'll end up tending cattle. Cause you're pretty when I'm drunk. You're pretty when I'm drunk, and I'm pretty fucking drunk. Here she comes, a funky fried cutie. Mr. Jimmy Papa Lee is going to get some booty. Cause I'm Mr. McFeely with a speedy delivery. You'd think I was a ditch the way this chick was digging me. But maybe I should check and see if this is where I want to be. Hey, Lupus, is she cute? Yeah, for a pygmy. Oh, what do you know? You're probably going home alone. And it wouldn't be the first time that I gave a dog a bone. Plus beauty, it's only skin deep. It's in the eye of the beholder, and my beholder's about to tweak. I could tap that barrel. In fact, I know I can. It's a menage a trois. You and me and Heineken, because you're pretty when I'm drunk. You're pretty when I'm drunk, and I'm pretty fucking drunk. Regrets. I've had a few. First and foremost, I'd like to mention you. For the sake of conversation, we'll call you the brand new heavy. You're a mix between an Ugnaught and Eugene Levy. You can call it big boned. I prefer to call it gut. You're Buddha. You're Shamu. Your job of the fucking hut. You had harpoon scars and your boobies were hairy. I smelt tuna melt, but I wasn't going to worry. It was 3 a.m. and I wasn't getting squat. So I rolled you up in flour and aimed it for the wet spot. 
I was buttering rolls like a soup kitchen Christian. Then it hit me. Something bit me while my little rod was fishing. I was deep sea fishing, but I took a fat chance. How was I supposed, supposed to know that jabber jaws lived in your pants? At that junction, I came to realize that only Frank Perdue likes thighs that size. Fatty, fatty, boom, baladdy, I gotta lament. You were not a girl. You were an experiment. Because you're pretty when I'm drunk. You're pretty when I'm drunk. And a pretty fucking drunk. And so that, of course, is, uh, I'm sure all of you who read poetry, you know about the works of James Moyer Franks, the, the, the genius behind the band Bloodhound Gang. Which uh, that that uh, that that particular poem was released in a musical form, an acapella acapella musical form, by the group that is known as the Bloodhound Gang, and I've been a fan of them for a long time. You might you might know their their big hit was uh, "You and Me, Baby, Ain't Nothing But Mammals," so let's do it like they do on the Discovery Channel. And I liked them way before that. And this song comes from the "Hooray for Boobies" album. And so I just wanted to let you know is like you know culture my my range and interest in culture has a wide range you know I mentioned T S Eliot in the beginning now I'm reading you my second favorite poem which is a uh, James Moyer Franks poem that he released in musical form uh, I think it was the mid '90s or early early '90s that that album okay I'll move on so I I watched The Last Castle last night and I don't know if you've You've seen it move. I've seen it like three times now. And uh, The Last Castle is, uh, it's an interesting movie because, uh, particularly if you've served in the military, because uh, uh, first of all, right off the right off the bat, I'm going to say is like every single prisoner in that prison probably deserved to be there and they were very much in the wrong by rioting and trying to take over the prison. However, by the end of the film, you know, I'm rooting for them. I'm rooting for them because James Gandolfini Played an excellent dick because <laughs> he, he really was a dick. And the whole, and you know, Robert Redford was in that too. And the whole point, the, I think the whole re real point of that movie is that leadership is not something that is, uh, that automatically comes with rank. You know, um, it, it's like the George Carlin joke. It's like, you know, just by law of statistics, you know, out, somewhere out there is the worst doctor. All right. And the bad news is that somebody's got an appointment to see him tomorrow. You know, and so when it, it's, just, it's kind of the same way in the military It's like somewhere out there is the worst commanding officer. And, you know, uh, uh, James Gandolfini play, plays that kind of character. You know, uh, he was granted he was a colonel, but the whole idea of stripping the rank away from Robert Redford's character as a prisoner, as stripping the rank away from people, period, as a prisoner uh, is is. Is so they realize it's like you you are no longer an officer you know and so forth you're a prisoner, but and that's why that whole had the whole saluting running their hands through the hair thing and stuff like that. That's why that was becoming a problem for the prisoner you know for the prison, all right? Because it's like uh, you maybe you may have been a general before you committed this crime, and granted you know it's like uh, it's kind of a heroic crime if you talk you know you ignored an order from the president. Fine, but still you know he should, he, he needs to do his time. You know, all those guys needed to do their time. However, however, the issue is, is that you need to be treated uh, like human beings. And so this is kind of the other side of the of the argument. And it's like because the military in many ways is kind of like prison. It's what I'd call, I would consider like minimum security prison, like minimum. I mean, you've seen minimum security prisons, but I mean, it's like minimum, minimum security prison. And <laughs> excuse me. And so because uh, it, 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 it's. it's 
there's a lot of similarities in the in the way things are run and the the facilities you're in and so forth. And um, but you need to treat people with a modicum of human dignity, you know. And that's that's kind of the point of the film. That's why you you're rooting for Robert Redford and the prisoners by the end of the film is because you realize that you know this colonel's a dick, you know, and everyone is under him is just blindly following orders because that's what they have to do. And so the, the the commanding officer of the of the stockade there, you know, he's doing awful things, you know, getting people killed. And so, uh, you know, they try to do everything they can to get rid of him. However, they are completely wrong in the way that they went about it. That being said, you know, you're sitting there rooting for him by the end. And I think that there's there's a big difference. A lot of people don't. It's some it's something that's fine tuned about you when you join the military. It's like you you understand that. Just because somebody uh, has a rank doesn't make them a leader, you know. And Robert Redford's character, he was a leader uh, naturally, you know, even when he, when he first started, when he was a butter bar lieutenant, you know, he was, he was a leader <laughs> before uh, James Gandolfini's character ever was, you know, more of a leader than James Gandolfini's character ever was. Anyway, I was, I was watching that movie last night and I was just like, man... <clears throat> Brings up a lot of memories, a lot of memories. Uh, speaking of watching like movies and stuff like that, uh, I, I I always watch stuff with closed captioning on because I'm quite hard of hearing, and uh, frequently like uh, some words get jumbled up, and I'd like to be able to look at the screen and what the hell would they just say? <laughs> did, you you want to take a bite out of his butt? What? Oh. Anyway. And so I was watching uh, closed captioning, and when you watch closed captioning, it's clear. I mean, it's clearly closed captioning is made for deaf people with, with deaf people in mind. And uh, when music is on the on the on the movie, you'll see things like little notes will pop up, or even like strange characters popping up in the closed captioning. And then sometimes you will get <clears throat> descriptions of the mu music, especially especially in like horror movies. I think I just I watched a lot of horror movies. Yeah, it says and they'll. Like the, there's different descriptors that'll pop up is like uh, uneasy strings. And you'll see like somebody wrote it in uneasy strings. It's like, what? Or discordant music. I've seen eerie tones. It's like, and then uh, strange ethereal uh, uh, mystery theme where they actually put in like, this is a mystery movie. So it's like strange, strange mystery theme, you know, like some de uh, deaf person is going to fill in the blanks, you know? Melancholy piano, somber strings, bombastic bassoon, ominous horns. So I was wondering, it's like, who adds those adjectives? You know what I mean? Because there's a little bit of subject subjectivity, you know? There's a little bit of subjectivity when it comes to uh, what ominous horns sound like <laughs> or a bombastic bassoon or a melancholy piano, you know? And so just like, who who is it? is writing this stuff. And I, I think it has to be those people who will just put inaudible when they, uh, if they listen to like a clip two or three times, it's like, I don't, I don't know what he's saying. And so they'll, they'll put like inaudible in the middle of a sentence. It's like, no, that wasn't inaudible. You need to do your job better. If you're writing inaudible, parenthetically inside the cat closed caption, you are not doing your job. All right. I know I can hear things, but still I'm mad on behalf of the deaf people. All right, you need to do your job and use better adjectives when describing music, for God's sakes. Especially if there's a long time without anyone talking. 
and it's just eerie strings on the screen for like 10 minutes, you know, as the tension builds, you know? At least take that time to add some florid language to describe music to deaf people. Selfish assholes. Anyway. <laughs> I felt bad for making fun of deaf people last week. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Was it last week or two weeks ago? I don't know. I don't know. Uh, so, yeah, I want to talk about one more thing. Hate to bring the mood back down, but I want to talk about one more thing before we get into the news. Um, because, like I said, it's September, and September always makes me think about the Navy. All right, because it's the month I went in. It was in September, and it was it was the month I was supposed to get out. So I want to talk a little bit about where I was on September 11th, 2001, because uh, we just recently spent uh, celebrated or celebrated or mourned. I guess is a better word. The 20 year anniversary, excuse me, of 9-11. But uh, when I, I woke up the morning of September 11th in 2001, <clears throat> uh, I woke up in my almost barren barracks room on uh, Norfolk Naval Base. And the reason why it was like bare is because I had taken like 90% of all of my possessions from, uh, from Norfolk to my home in Fredericksburg, here in Fredericksburg. And so, cause I was, I had my paperwork filled out and on my desk, my, uh, what's that called? Terminal leave paperwork filled out and on my desk the night before that I was going to drop at the end of the day. So that's all I can say. I can leave that afternoon and get out of the Navy. I thought I was going home from the Navy that day, but my command was in the middle of an, ex uh, not an exercise, a e evolution where we were moving a bunch of servers and equipment and computers from a building we were working in over to the ship, the USS Mount Whitney on that day. And when the first plane hit, it, we were already like, uh, it, like I say, the Navy is like, a, you, you do more before 9am, but most people do all day. So it's like, so we're already in the middle when, when the first plane hit, we we're already in the middle of moving most of the stuff over the ship. And then we got this order, uh, uh, stay on station, hold fast, stay on, stay on station. So that means we just stop and wait. <laughs> and so uh, everyone, of course, is watching CNN, watching the news. It was like talking about it. It was like, what do you think this is? And there's speculation. There's speculation. And so we're all talking about it. And once the, and since we're all sitting there waiting, we all pretty much saw the second plane hit. And it was soon after that, I think, that we were ordered to, like, start moving everything back to the building because our ship might be deployed to war. All right? And so that was the conversations we had for the rest of the day. It's like, we all thought we were going to war. Me, being selfish, a selfish 24-year-old, I was like, oh, man, they're going to try to keep me in the Navy. You know, you had four years to have a war. You know, <laughs> I, started, I started getting real worried about that. And so we, we went around this, uh, we went, went about moving back all the equipment that we had uh, in the ship already, moving it back to the building we were operating out of. And so uh, um, that, yeah, that uh, evening after I was uh, released for liberty, I went in with my paperwork saying, trying to drop my paperwork and get out of the Navy. I dropped my terminal leave paperwork that I already had ready to go the night before. And I went down to admin and I dropped off the paperwork and the, uh, the, what are they called? Uh, the admin guys, they're journalists. 
no, personnelman. Yeoman. <laughs> Blake on Yeoman. The Yeoman's sitting there, Yeoman first class looks at me and is like, our country just got attacked today. You want to get out of the Navy? And I try, I tried to explain to him, just like I explained to you, I had this paperwork filled out last night. I had everything already moved out of my barracks room. I was ready to go. So my paperwork got held up. I was uh, held in the Navy. They, they, were, they did a stop loss after September 11th because, um, you know, they needed the personnel for war. And after I eventually got out in December, but I mean, it was, um, things went crazy over those last, over those couple months, those last couple months I was in the Navy, uh, because immediately it's like there were sandbags being stacked around the entrance to the Norfolk Naval base and every Naval base, they're stacking sandbags and putting up M16, uh, M60 positions. Um, <laughs> saw a lot more weapons being carried by the people at the gates. I remember uh, one time I was we were uh, <clears throat> working in Whiskey Five. I heard this officer complaining that uh, he came to the the gate, the the base gate, and had forgotten his ID at home. And when he failed to produce an ID at the gate, uh, the young sailor who was on on guard there drew his weapon on him. <laughs> and the officer was so mad. I want the I want your name. I'm, I'm, I'm. I want your command. I want to, I want you to know your CEO's name. <laughs> and, you know, it's like, it, it was, it was silly, you know, that he was just so, you know, that officer-ish is the only descriptor. You know, it's like, of course, that sailor was doing his job, you know, but your, your ego is, ego is bothered by it. Yeah. And um, over those, those couple months, it's like they started, like I said, they did a stop loss. That means uh, I couldn't get out to December. They had held me up with a bunch of medical stuff. And I'll talk about that here in a minute. But um, they held me up with medical stuff. But also at the same time, a bunch of reservists were being recalled <clears throat> uh, or called in, called into active duty because of you know we we're going to war and we did. We you know we went to Iraq. We went to Afghanistan. And so uh, well, I didn't. I don't know why I said we. I meant we because I was in the Navy. <laughs> anyway. And so um, a lot of these guys, you know, a bunch of people, a big, big flood of people coming in. And uh, wow, I just, I didn't know. I didn't know what was going to, what the future held. None of us knew what the future hold, held. Um, yeah, additionally, we didn't know like the full story of everything that happened on like uh, Ground Zero and in Pennsylvania and at the Pentagon, you know, and I mean, it at 20 years later, there's still plenty of conspiracy theories that revolve around all that stuff. And so it's, um, uh, and so we still had to wait until all that stuff bear out. Like the, some of the most gruesome aspects of September 11th, I didn't find out till years later, you know, you hear the stories about the people jumping out, jumping out of the building, awful, awful things, you know, and in some, in some ways, after finding out everything that happened, it made me somewhat ashamed of trying that I tried to get out of the Navy on that day. Maybe I understood that yeoman a little bit better because of that. <clears throat> anyway, yeah, they held me up with some uh, medical stuff. And uh, they, uh, I had a clusteotoma in my right ear. And it was like, uh, clusteotoma is like a collection of skin cells. This is how they explained it to me anyway. A collection of skin cells that just doesn't get ever get out of the ear. So they just kind of... Uh, decay into this acid that was like burning a hole into my skull. So they had to go ahead and like cut out a little, 
chunk that was it was attached to or whatever like that. And uh, I always joke, it's like that's when they put the bionics in me so I could have my super hearing and and uh, which I don't have. <laughs> like I put my bionics in me so they can monitor like everything I listen to, everything I, I watch and stuff like that. Make sure I don't because I was I was a troublemaker in the navy and it was like we need to watch this guy, so they put a bionic implant just to keep tabs on me. <laughs> so yeah, I just I wanted to mention that because every September reminds me of September 11th. And being in the Navy. So it's just one more story. One more story to fill out this horribly rotten day. So, let me, let me double, run down the bottom of the news list. It's, uh, yeah, I got some happy stories here at the end. So hopefully I can cheer up by the end of the news worth knowing. So here we go. Welcome to the news worth knowing. Imagine a stinger appearing across the screen. Mm. Okay, so, uh. Our first story is New York teachers protest vaccine mandates. They march across Brooklyn Bridge. So a teachers group protesting mandatory vaccinations was seen in New York City marching across the Brooklyn Bridge with some protesters chanting against President Biden. F Joe Biden, people were heard chanting while walking across the Brooklyn Bridge in a video posted to Twitter on Monday. And that's been happening a lot lately, that phrase. <laughs> Okay, they're also carrying signs reading, last year's heroes, this year's unemployed. My body, my choice, and I call the shots. I like that one. I call the shots. Anyway, another video posted to social media also shows protesters chanting, F Joe Biden from the Brooklyn Pier. I've been there. The videos came out, the videos come as a protest organized by Teachers for Choice was held in Foley Square on Monday. Hundreds of people, including current and retired teachers, parents, and other school staffers, were seen in Foley Square Monday denouncing mandatory vaccines in order for, uh, for people to keep their jobs. The protesters from Foley Square Freedom Rally then walked across the Brooklyn Bridge. Quote, I have lived and worked in the city as a civil servant for 28 years of my life, retired teacher Amy Carroll told PIX11. I should, I should be able to make my own health decisions and make a decision that doesn't affect my employment, that doesn't affect my right to go to a restaurant or a Broadway play or a museum. Her husband, retired teacher Bill Carroll, added, I think, I think that we're, I think they're doing in America, I think what they're doing in America, they're taking away our rights about all decisions, medical decisions, we're standing here, we're letting the government take over everything. The protests come after Mayor Bill de Blasio announced last month that all employees of the Department of Education must get vaccinated by September 27th. Last week, Biden announced a sweeping new vaccine mandate requiring employees at companies with over 100 workers to get vaccinated or be tested for the coronavirus on a weekly basis. Quote, I come to a bunch of teachers. I come with a bunch of teachers from a school in Whitestone, Queens. Teacher Alicia Morrill added to picks 11. We're here because of the mandates. Some of us are even vaccinated, but we're fighting the mandate, and we don't want the children to have to be mandated for vaccines. So we're fighting for everybody, not just ourselves. Teachers for Choice say it will file a lawsuit against the city over the vaccine mandate. The videos in New York City follow, uh, follow football fans shouting F. Joe Biden at Coastal Carolina University, Virginia Tech, Auburn University, and Texas A&M this month. Now... <clears throat> That's the objective news story. Uh, it's from Fox News. So. 
that's the news story. Now, let me let me just talk to a, a little bit about what's going on here. You know, it's uh, it, it, it's funny because you're you're seeing this all over the place. The F Joe Biden uh, phrase is getting thrown around. I've seen flags. I've seen flags that say F Joe Biden. All right. They're already printing that stuff. So here's what I mean. It's like, I think this is a good thing. Like, um, th- these are teachers. All right. First of all, I think teachers and the teachers unions are the most liberal and problematic, uh, problem in the United States right now. You know, it's, they're quite liberal. They're quite liberal. And these people are probably quite liberal. All right. And so, and this is New York City, one of the most liberal places on earth. (laughs) And so, um, you know, even they, even these people that would, I would normally like disagree with, you know, disagree with on lots of political and social issues, you know, they're out here saying it's like, we don't want vaccine mandates either, you know, Democrat and Republican alike, you know, all along the political spectrum. You know, you shouldn't be forcing this on anybody, you know? And so, I mean, I love these people. Love them for what they're doing. It's like, absolutely, protest. I think more protests like this should happen. I think people should quit their jobs if they say you have to take this this medicine. You have to take medicine if you want to keep your job. Screw that employer. And employers will figure it out. Walk off the job if they tell you that it's mandatory. You know, I'm not, you obviously have to make the decision for your life, but what I'm telling you is that, you know, people are not going to stand for this, you know, all across the political spectrum. You know, there are people who cannot take the vaccine for like medical reasons. All right. So are those people supposed to be uh, unemployed? They need to be fired because they they can't have the medicine or else it will kill them. Oh, oh, but I know there's people out there that's like, oh, but, you know, there is the option that you could, uh, you can just get tested weekly. Really? Really? You can get tested weekly? At whose cost? If it's the cost to the employee, F you. If it's the cost to the company, the company should say F you to the government. This is ridiculous. You know? Biden up there, going up there and saying, it's like, I, we, you know, what do he say? It's like, uh, we're... You know, our patience is running thin. F you. F you and your stupid A. <laughs> since we're <laughs> F you and your stupid A since we're all we're being so uh PG thirteen all of a sudden. So I mean, I just I don't really understand why why any anybody's putting up with these vaccine mandates. You know, and even and when and I think it's something like that when when Joe Biden comes down and says something like this, our patience is wearing thin. Do as we say. You know, when somebody sa- says that, I mean, that strikes a chord in every American heart. Doesn't matter what side of the aisle you're on. You're like, there's a little bit of rage against the machine inside all, all of us is go- wants to go, fuck you, I won't do what you tell me. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Democrats and Republicans alike love that song for that very, for that, that very uh, uh, I don't know, chord within the American spirit. All right. So God bless these New York teachers protesting the vaccine mandates. I got their back on this particular issue. (laughs) We may disagree on other things. All right, let's go to this next story. All right. uh, Blinken grilled on Hunter Biden FBI report. GOP Representative Perry says American people ought to know. I agree. 
So uh, Representative Scott Perry, great name, dude. That's a really cool name. You know, I th some of the sexiest people on earth have that first name, Scott. Not so much Perry. What's a sexy last name? Robbins. That's, that's Scott Robbins. That's a sexy name. Anyway, Representative Scott Perry, the Republican from Pennsylvania, uh, caused a brief uproar during the Secretary of State uh, Anthony Blinken's congressional hearing on Monday. The congressman pivoted from questions about Afghanistan to asking about a report he's seen regarding Blinken potentially being summoned by the FBI for his relationship with presidential, uh, President Biden's son, Hunter Biden. Perry, Perry joined uh, Fox News primetime to explain the report and Blinken's response after regretting the fact that the committee's Democratic chairman, Representative Gregory Meeks from New York, cut him off when he attempted to change the subject to Hunter Biden and his foreign business dealings. <clears throat> Excuse me, throat's getting dry. During the hearing, the House Foreign Affairs Committee uh, member asked bluntly, how long was your recent interview with the FBI and was it a deposition? Perry, Perry recalled to host uh, Lawrence Jones that Blinken's facial expression changed when he asked the question. Quote, I'm sorry, I don't know what you're to what you're referring. The secretary responded. Are you saying that, that you have not had a recent interview with the FBI since becoming secretary of state? Perry asked. Blinken appeared to stutter before asking Perry if uh, he would consider discussing the topic offline, adding that he would not comment either way about the legal proceeding and whether or not they whether or not they exist. The sudden change in topic caused Meeks to slam the gavel and reprimand Perry. Uh, quote, let me remind the gentleman that the topic of this hearing is Afghanistan, Meeks said. Perry replied that he was therefore simply asking about Hunter Biden because uh, Blinken generally refuses to answer questions about Afghanistan. <laughs> well, you know, we know he's not going to talk about that. <laughs> so. Uh, quote, so I figured uh, we would just talk about something he's more, he's uh, should be more intimately familiar with, Perry told Meeks. <laughs> On Fox News primetime, Perry added that Blinken's behavior uh, in that exchange uh, and the hearing writ large makes him a poor excuse, quote, poor excuse for a secretary of state. Quote, he, he wasn't going to answer any questions realistically on the horrific failure of, of Afghanistan, so I thought I would talk to him about something that I knew was reported, that he had had conversations with the FBI that potentially uh, they could have called him back in because some, something is not matching up regarding his relationship with Hunter Biden, he said. The fact that he has uh, had a close relationship with Hunter Biden and that he was Assistant Secretary of State uh, regarding, events, regarding events in Ukraine that's very concerning to the American people, and I think we ought to know what it is. Jones asked Perry whether it is a standard procedure for a chairman such as Greg Meeks to interrupt other lawmakers in that way. Quote, well, it's what procedure is by Democrats, and you look up, and they look all close rank, no matter how horrific the policy is. 13 dead Marines. Americans' reputation being dragged across the world stage, they all close ranks and do whatever is necessary to support the failed policy of their president, Joe Biden, he said. They don't care about the American people. They care about uh, the power that they have, and they, they're not going to let anybody assail their secretary of state, you know, on open mic. So, yeah, Meeks had to cut it off. <laughs> so, yeah, this is why I love America. This is why I love our, our, uh, the way things are done. Is because you know uh, Representative Perry, he uh, he said, well, he's not going to answer his honest questions, any honest question about 
Afghanistan. Let's try to catch him something else. And that's exactly, I mean, yeah. Yeah, the, the, the chairman's going to bang the gavel and say, let me remind you, this is supposed to be about Afghanistan. But that's the point. It's like, you can always ask these questions. You can throw out any, any questions. Mr. Secretary, is your favorite color blue? What? what? I'll, I'll talk to you offline about that. You know? And just blindside him with something else. And it's like, you know, we know the son of a bitch isn't going to give us a straight answer about Afghanistan. So why the hell not? And you know what? That kind of thing shouldn't be silenced. You know, blindside questions shouldn't be silenced. If you have an agile mind, you should have an agile mind. If you're working as secretary of state, you know, you should be able to shift gears real quick and talk about something else. But that's the whole point is that the Biden administration doesn't want to talk at all to the American people. They don't think we deserve to know anything. All right. That's why every single time he, every single time he speaks, he just runs away. He runs away. Or he'll just turn around, <laughs> he'll just put, put his back to you, stick his fingers in his ears and hum. Anyway, they hate you. The Biden administration hates you and thinks you're stupid and you think, think you need the government. You, they think you need the uh, strong federal government that's suck, having you suckle their teeth from cradle to grave. That's what they think of you. <laughs> people are like, I wonder why all these fuck Joe Biden chants keep popping up all over the place. <laughs> anyway. Uh, so Biden, Biden met with protesters upon California arrival over Afghanistan. The vaccinations, quote, Biden, go home in California. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? A lot of people regretting fixing that last election. Anyway, President Biden has met with protesters speaking out against his handling of Afghanistan and mandatory vaccine vaccinations when he landed in Sacramento, California to campaign for Governor, uh, Governor Gavin Newsom. Quote, quote, I hope he is not so far away that he, can, he can't see my sign, L.D. Sutherland said, according to ABC 10. His sign said, Biden, go home. And he was also holding... A recall Newsom flag. You know what? If he's already landing there, you know, you're already paying for it. So you paid for him to come there. And then you went through the effort of making the sign anyway. That's why I guess I wouldn't go there to protest it. <laughs> I, wouldn't made, I wouldn't have made that sign. Anyway, a couple dozen protesters were in attendance when Air Force One touched down at Mather Airport on Monday and held signs reading Biden lied, 13 died, and waved pro-Trump flags. Quote, I think it's a very frightening time in our country, and we need to stop this agenda that's happening, and that's with everything, the mandatory vaccinations and our open borders and what just happened in Afghanistan, Sutherland said. Another protester, Patty Swanson, said that she, uh, this was the first protest she ever participated in, and she was motivated uh, uh, to attend after 13 U.S. service members were killed in Kabul on August 26th during U.S. withdrawal from Afghanistan. Quote, it's a huge mistake. Afghanistan was a huge mistake, and he really made and it, and he made it really bad, Swanson said. And the result was 13 people lost their lives. Quote, he's coming here and try to get Newsom to stay, try to stay in office, she added. He wouldn't have uh, come if, he, if it wasn't a recall Newsom thing, if there wasn't a recall Newsom thing. Has he been here before? <laughs> we had other tragedies, lots of fires, yes. Fires have been going on for months. He's never been here. So this is all about recalling Newsom. Very good point. <laughs> Been burning for a while, California. Another video shows uh, 
protesters lining Biden's route to Long Beach uh, City College, where they booed the president ahead of him delivering a speech from Newsom's campaign. Biden has been hit with fierce criticisms over his handling of Afghanistan and also uh, and also after he announced the sweeping vaccine mandate last week requiring employees of companies with more than 100 workers to get vaccinated against the coronavirus or go through weekly testing. A rally organized by Teachers for Choice was also held in New York City on Monday. I mentioned that earlier. Blah, blah, blah. And there are a chance of uh, at the colleges. That's that, that same paragraph in the last article. Uh, uh, the first article I read. So Biden hit the campaign trail with Newsom on Monday at a, at a rally, just one day before the recall election, where he compared Republican gubernatorial candidate Larry Elder to former President Donald Trump. Quote, you can either keep Gavin Newsom as your governor, governor, or you'll get Donald Trump, Biden said. This is, that's, it's not a joke. That man, he doesn't know what he's saying. Anyway, you you know what I'm thinking of? I remember when, like when Trump was president. Anytime like some protester, you know, flipped off the the Trump motorcade or something like that, it was like, oh, the the news just swarmed all over. It's like, look at this courageous person fighting against the evil evil empire of Donald Trump. You know, now this stuff is happening like all over the country, all over the country at games, at football games. <laughs> people are supposed to be watching and enjoying football that some guy just says, hey, you know what? Fuck Joe Biden. And that just gets a chant going. <laughs> and just saying that phrase aloud will get people perk up. It's like, hey, yeah, fuck that guy. <laughs> so, I mean, I think it's going to be really interesting how this plays out. I think a lot of people are becoming disenchanted with uh, the way the Democratic Party has been being run lately. I'm, there's nothing wrong with the Democratic Party. All right. That can't be fixed with my own two hands. What what I mean is that, you know, is like because of the direction the Democratic Party is going is going in, there's a lot of disenchanted Democrats, reasonable Democrats that are like, I don't even know what to do anymore. And there's really one one answer. And it's like, you know, you side with Republicans for now until the rest of them get their act together. All right. Three more stories. All right, Army officer resigns over Biden Biden vaccine mandate. Quote, Marxist takeover of the military. An Army Lieutenant Colonel's resignation letter is gaining attention on social media after he used it to protest the COVID-19 vaccine mandate and what and what he described as a Marxist takeover of the military. The re- resignation letter by Lieutenant Colonel Paul Douglas Haug, Hog Haug, Haig, excuse me. I was getting a phone call. <laughs> I was like distracted. Resignation letter by Lieutenant Colonel Paul Douglas Haig, tweeted out by his wife and shared with Fox News, said he was resigning from the Army after 19 years of service and foregoing his pension. Wow. Primarily because of the Pentagon's mandatory COVID 19 vaccination order for all U.S. military service members. Quote, first and foremost, I am incapable of subjecting myself to this unlawful, unethical, immoral, and tyrannical order to sit still and allow a serum to be injected into my flesh against my will or better judgment and better judgment. Haig, who is stationed at Fort Bragg in North Carolina, wrote in, a le- wrote in the letter. It is impossible for the so-called vaccine to have been studied adequately to determine the long-term effects. End quote. The Centers for Disease Control and Prevention said the vaccines are safe and effective. 
period. <laughs> That's the end of the paragraph. Okay. Uh, Haig listed multiple other reasons for his resignation, including what he views as an, ideolog an ideological Marxist takeover of the United States government at the upper echelons and a complete lack of confidence in the Biden administration, which you blame for the Kabul terrorist attack last month that killed 13 U.S. service members. I, did he, I bet he's, he worked in intelligence. <laughs> Sounds like a smart guy. Uh, quote, I would like nothing more than to continue in the Army to reach for my 20 years of active service and retire with my pension. However, I instead will join those who have served before, before me in pledging my life, my fortune, and my sacred honor to continue resisting the eternal and ever-mutable forms of oppression and tyranny, both from enemies outside our nation's border and those within. Wow, I like that. I like that. Let me read that again. However, I instead will join those who have served before me in pledging my life, my fortune, and my sacred honor to continue resisting the eternal and ever-mutable forms of oppression and tyranny, both from enemies outside our nation's borders and those within. Colonel, well done. Haig's wife, Katie Phillips Haig, told Fox News her husband submitted the letter on August 30th and that it has since been sent up, the ch sent up his chain of command and appears to be going smoothly so far. She also sought to clarify some discrepancies in the letter that critics used to as an effort, in an effort to debunk the story. For instance, the letter is originally dated 23 August, but the Kabul attack occurred three days later. Philip Haig said her husband began drafting the letter on August August 23rd, revised it multiple times and forgot to change the original date before submitting it on August 30th. Uh, Phipps Haig has also, also responded to skeptics on Twitter who asked why her husband didn't protest multiple other vaccines he had to take in order to uh, serve in the military. Okay. Yeah, that's okay. Quote, he didn't re uh, resign over a vaccine, she responded. She said he felt the vaccine was being used as a political tool to divide and segregate Americans. He then went on a on on to list many other reasons for his resigna resignation, none of which have anything to do with vaccines. Haig confirmed to Fox News that his resignation process has begun and that he has still stands uh, by what he said. When, re when reached for comment, Army spokesman uh, Lieutenant Colonel Gabriel J. Ramirez told Fox News the Army does not comment on administrative actions. But you just did. Or did you? <laughs> it seems like a good PAO. Public affairs officer. The Pentagon announced August 23rd that it would be requiring all service members to get vaccinated against the coronavirus effective immediately. The decision came just days after the Pfizer Bio BioNTech vaccine became the first to get full respiratory approval by the Food and Drug Administration. Military lawyers have noted an uptick in calls from service members seeking to understand their rights in light of, in light of the mandate. On Monday, demonstrators organized the New Mexico Freedoms Alliance gathered at Holloman Air Force Base Visitor Center to protest the back mandate, the Alamogordo Daily News reported. So good good for you, Colonel. Good for you. And uh, I think I, I mentioned a couple weeks ago that, uh, you know, there are officers. There are officers and enlisted leaders that are out there fighting against this. You know, if you're enlisted, you're screwed. You're, you're going to have to get the vaccine, vaccine no matter what. Uh, army officers have the luxury of being able to resign from their commission. Uh, unless you, I think, yeah, there's like, they don't like re-enlist the way that uh, <laughs> enlisted people do. Because, uh, you know, uh, and I think that that's a good thing. You know, sh sure. Um, guys like that, I think, should remain in the military. 
but it's clear he's not going to you know get anywhere if he's right about this you know partisan marxist takeover of the US military and government you know from the top down and i get it i mean i'd rather i'd rather have that dude on my side anyway so fine so so what i mean once and yeah, you get vaccinated when you go in the military. But I mean, a lot of these are like reasonable vaccines, you know, tried and true vaccines that they've been, you know, uh, injecting into soldiers and sailors, <laughs> you know, for years, for decades even, you know. They're all tried and true. And his point about this one, you know, one of his uh, uh, points of why of resignation was the fact that it's like, you know, this is uh, it's it's untried you know there's been hasn't been extensive long-term study of it and i think a lot of people who don't want it don't want the vaccine it's like i know there's a bunch of nurses out there that don't want the vaccine either for medical reasons or they just hey i just i don't trust new meds and i get that i really do and probably a lot of those people know enough about science like i do to know that you're if you gain a natural immunity to something that's better than getting a vaccine sooner or later we all got to catch this thing that's how viruses work. Okay? Get vaccinated if you're at high risk. Don't if you don't have to. That's all there is to it. You know? And the whole idea, the whole insane idea of I I need you to get vaccinated because I don't trust my vaccination is insane. It's insane. Anyway, let's go on to these last two stories. <laughs> last two stories is a light in the mood. All right, 13-year-old Wisconsin, Wisconsin boy who saved his four sisters from a fire was then saved by his dog. A 13-year-old boy is being heralded as a hero after he rescued his four sisters from a fire that destroyed the family's Wisconsin home before his dog helped usher him out of the house. Quote, my sister said it was really smoky, and we looked behind us, and the playpen was on fire. Oh, my God. Recounted Briar Omar, 13 years old, according to WCCO. Fire broke out last Monday when the children's parents went out to grab dinner for the family, and Briar Omar sprung into action to rescue his four younger sisters, who were as young as six months old. Quote, my sisters, that was the first thing I thought of, and I just knew I needed to get them out of the house, he said. Good boy. The 13-year-old was able to... Uh, able to get his four sisters out of the house as the fire spread, then went back in and tried to put out the flames with a fire extinguisher. But the family's dog, Mandy, soon ushered uh, Briar Omar out of the house as well. Quote, it went up in bigger flame, flames, and I just couldn't breathe. I couldn't see. I almost collapsed. And then that's when I felt my dog rub against me. I grabbed her, and she led me out of the door, the 13-year-old said. Briar Omar and Mandy made it out of the home just as the parents made it into the driveway. Quote, and until you physically saw every single child, it was just terrifying, Kelly Omar recounted. Quote, we're just so thankful that every single one of them made it out. So if it wasn't for my son, I don't know where I'd be, Kelly Omar said. The house was completely destroyed by the fire, and a GoFundMe has, established, has been established to help the family pay the necessities as they, helped re as they rebuild. The cause of the fire is currently under investigation. You know what? If he was 13-year-old and he had four sisters, that means he must have had an, uh, the next younger sister was probably like 11 years old, you know? And and so I think that if, like, maybe if he was, like, on his, like, playing Fortnite or something like that, and she was like, there's a fire on the plate, the playpen's on fire, 
you know, and they had this conversation. We should probably get everybody out, right? Should probably get everybody out. And he's like, ugh, threw it out of his controller. I was in the middle. Of, I was just having a badass kill streak. You know, I think that girl would have come out of the house saying, hey, you know, this guy, he was too busy playing Fortnite to help get my sisters out of the playpen, <laughs> the burning playpen. All right. So, I mean, the, the story could have been different, you know, and then you would be saying, oh, that 11 year old sister, what a hero she is. <laughs> <You know? laughs> so who knows? Maybe, maybe shake, shaked out that way. Maybe it didn't. Maybe she's like, I don't want attention. You, you take all the attention. But, you know, the real the real thing is, is that uh, he probably has a good, <laughs> good family, good father, good mother. And taught him to do the right thing. Instinct instinctively do the right thing. All right, let's do this last story. Uh, Indiana boys hop off their bikes and pay respects after running into military veterans' funeral. Uh, two boys in Batesville, Indiana, stopped in their tracks when a funeral procession for a military veteran passed last week. The procession was for 89-year-old Charles Everett Yorn. Uh, Jackie Hornbach, who witnessed the boys paying respects, told Fox News. For the two boys, Yorn's funeral pre took precedent over their bike ride. To see these two young boys immediately stop and pay their respects to a past serviceman without any prompting or knowledge of anyone watching was just so touching to see, Hornbach said. According to Hornbach, who posted about the moment on Facebook, the boys immediately jumped off their bikes and waited patiently for a few minutes. As taps began to play, they both stood with their arms behind their backs silently the entire time, Hornbach said. It was, as, it was as if they didn't have to discuss it before doing it, she said. They just knew that that's what you do when you came across this. It was so natural for them. Hornbach said she felt, too inclined, felt that she too felt inclined to stand up after seeing the boys stop and look on. They did the gun salute and the boys jumped back on their bikes and they went on their way, she said. Hornbach had initially debated on whether or not to post uh, the moment online, but eventually decided that with all the negative things going on, it was needed. Hornbach said the Batesville community is very patriotic to begin with, and moments like this made her realize that there is, much, there is so much good left in this world. You are correct. You are correct. There is plenty of good left in this world. You know, and every when you hear, when I do these, when I talk about these stories, like these New York teachers protesting the vaccine mandates, it's like, yes, that means there's plenty of hope for this world and for Americans. You know, when I hear about boys stopping for a veteran, a veteran, a procession for a, a veteran, just knowing, knowing that, knowing that that's what you do. That means that they have good, good, good fathers, good mothers, raising them right. Same with the boy he pulled his sister, sisters out of a burning building getting saved by his dog you know that means they have good good mothers and good fathers and i think that there's uh the silent majority of americans who are good people like that so i think don't give up on america yet because believe me we we have plenty of great people here in the states so this is going to be the end of the show i want to remind you again to go over to patreon.com slash shock monkey radio become a patron i would very much appreciate it you can also advertise on the show here. There's a couple options up there. If you want to, if you got deeper pockets than someone else, you can also send me money through cash tag, uh, cash app. Use the cash tag shock monkey radio. I would appreciate that. I also have books available online for digital download. You look on Amazon, search for the author, Scott L Robbins with two T's and two B's. Uh, I got the three exit 13 books, read the descriptions to make sure you get them on, uh, 
uh, get to read them in order. Uh, so it's all in the description. I'll tell you if it's the second, third one, and so forth. I got the uh, the Bunny Years, a memoir about a about a superhero named Jack Rabbit, and uh, the Ravings of a Madman, which is basically just this show written down. <laughs> anyway, thank you so much for listening. You know, uh, I'm gonna go tie one on and try to celebrate the life of Norm Macdonald, pouring out for my homie. You know, bad news to get today, you know, but, you know, hey, we've had some laughs together. You know, we cry together. We laugh together. This is who we are. That we're, as, we're, as the friends we are, you know, that's, that's, that's how you treat people you love, right? And this has been Shock Monkey Radio. I'm the madman, and I love you. <laughs>